KRVN. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, and welcome to the final trading day of a Friday in October. Of course, we got one more day on Monday, and then we wrap up this month. And that's kind of going to be our focus today is let's look at this week. There's been a lot of influences that have really kind of had a tight grip on what we see, for example, in the soybean trade. Is a lot of outside influences are going to be weighing in on what we see in these markets. Plus, what's it going to look like? Through the 19th of November. We're going to get all those details today with Mike Zuzalo. Mike is with Global Commodity Analytics. And Mike, let's start out the fact that we are wrapping up this month of October. And the soybeans really wanted to do some serious moving, even though we did see some positive today. It has definitely been a struggle bus this week. Yeah, it has, Susan, and thanks for having me back, by the way. I, I think the big thing with the soybeans is something we've seen repeated over and over and over again. And I was telling somebody today, my Two of my favorite movies are from Bill Murray, and one is Groundhog Day, and I feel like the soybeans are playing out Groundhog Day all over again by trying to rally, but they can't get the wheat and the corn to join them, and so they fall back towards the low end of the range, and essentially we've set up this range-bound market between 1350 and $14 in lead-month beans, and the trade is willing to step in and cover their short positions and take a long position even um, because we have seen that export demand return in, in a pretty decent way. And when you combine that with the 80% harvested numbers uh, on Monday afternoon's crop progress report, it made a lot of sense fundamentally why the soybeans wanted to try and make a go of it. But then it goes back to the issue of um, the wheat market and the corn market and China. And I, I kind of felt like this week as a whole was kind of bookended uh, soybeans in the middle, and the bookends were China in, in the beginning of the week and the Mississippi River. And at the end of the week, it was China again and the Mississippi River again. And I think, you know, especially the Mississippi River seemed to come back in the news because even though the St. Louis gauge jumped about four feet after the early week rains, uh, I was talking to a client in Kentucky and uh, he said that his, you know, the mass of Kentucky Lake not too far from him was being drained to be able to feed into some of the river system and that several locations that he knew of were either way behind on getting toes out or just had physically shut down. And it sounded like as though at the end of this week we were starting to hear maybe offers from commercials were drying up again for November and December. So these things came back and it especially hit the wheat. And the long-term effects that this has continued to play. I mean, this isn't something that's going to replenish Unfortunately, this winter, unless we get some unexpected massive snow amounts, this is going to be a lingering effect into the 23 growing season. Yeah, it really will be. And I think this is where the wheat, especially just to kind of finish up on the wheat mindset in the trade, I I talked a lot with clients and wrote a lot and did a lot of research this week and looked at the copper market because China and copper are very closely related to one another. And you could see the wheat market and the copper market trading very similarly with one another throughout this week. And even Friday, uh, copper was the, I think, fourth or fifth from the bottom in terms of all the assets. It, it lost 2%. And uh, right above it was crude oil, gold, and soft red wheat. And I think this is where the wheat market it may has made a low a weekly low four straight down weeks in a row now susan and the last time we saw that was back in mid-december of last year and and that's why i think the wheat really is the one to watch for 
a, a big turn in the market if we're going to have one. But, you know, to your point, what we have to look forward to in this next 20 days is truly historic. And I think with it will bring historic volatility. And we have the, we started off Monday with the November uh, or October 31st with the uh, end of the month. We talk about the Brazilian election and the currency markets. We are probably going to start to see a major battle in Kherson, Ukraine, start to get revved up. And we still have the lingering issue of the dirty bomb as a result of that. Um, and then we go into next Wednesday with the Fed meeting, followed by the U.S. election the next week with the USDA WASDE report right after that. And then we still have to deal with the Mississippi River, as you say. And then on the 19th of November, the uh, railroad union can decide whether they want to strike or not. And the exact same day, the Ukrainian grain deal will either not be uh, renewed and be terminated or it will be renewed. And I think these are going to be extremely volatile, volatile times as we head into the Thanksgiving holiday. I want to talk more about about your huge list, but we may have to wait till the second half due to time. So having said that, this Chinese election where he's kind of put himself in this permanent um, dictatorship role has really kind of got not just agriculture, but just the markets in general this week, kind of in an uproar nervousness. Yeah, I think you and I have talked about before in, in the research I've done of the New West and the New East that Russia and India and China and Brazil and now probably Saudi Arabia, which Russia said this week, as a matter of fact, that they would want Saudi Arabia into the BRICS and the, the S in the BRICS right now is South Africa. And, and I think this goes back to we are getting more firm in, in, I think, in the analysis that there is a multi or bipolar world starting to develop. And that means you're going to have deglobalization. You're going to have trading systems and supply chains that essentially compete with one another based upon which side you're on. And I think that's the key as we talk about the long term, especially in relation to the Chinese purchases of our soybeans and other agricultural goods. So real quick, is, is corn just kind of following along with what happens in beans and wheat this week? Yeah, and you know, that makes sense because they're the ones that are going to get hit the hardest and continue to get hit the hardest with the Mississippi River and if the grain deal gets extended because year-to-date sales in corn down 53% right now, Susan, at only 14 million tons, whereas the beans are up almost 5% and wheat's only down about 7%. So you can see that between the funds being already so long and the weak demand, corn looks to be continuing to follow her at this point in the futures, but in the cash market could do quite a bit of different stuff. All right, well, folks, stick around, because when we come back, we're going to take a look at this November 1 to November 19. That's not even 19 full trading days, but you know it's going to have some influence. We're going to get this bucket list, as we say, from Mike. More is coming up, the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. With 85 years of serving Nebraska farmers, Fontenelle Hybrids is still committed to helping you meet the challenges in every field. In farmer-managed trials over the last three seasons, Fontenelle's 15 top-yielding corn products had over a nine-bushel per acre yield advantage over Pioneer's commercially available leading volume corn products. That's a 75% win rate. No wonder Fontenelle is called the best-kept secret in the Cornhusker state. Contact your local Fontenelle dealer to see what all the fuss is about. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other... BM. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, continuing our conversation with Mike Zuzlo. He's with Global Commodity Analytics and kind of left off talking about this November 1 till the 19th. Uh, a lot of things can happen this first half of November, and you kind of got this list going, Mike, of things we need to kind of keep an eye out for. 
Yeah, and you know, of all these things, I think that the U.S. election would probably be to me because it's a midterm election with expectations growing that there's going to be more of a balance in Washington between the two parties. And if that would occur, Susan, I think that that would be the most disruptive when it comes to the Chinese and how they react to a, a shift in power, the Russians and how they react. And, and that then, therefore, kind of spills into the Ukrainian grain deal. Um, the Federal Reserve would probably take a different line of thinking if a new Congress came on board. And I think then you have the U.S. dollar probably starting to think differently as a result of that. So of all these things that are out there, I think as far as the most important single item, if I could pick one, would be that U.S. election, that midterm election, in case there was a disruption in the current political mindset here in this country because as we all know everybody in the world watches the united states and so that's really what i'll base a lot of my analysis on is is the u.s election and which way it moves there's a lot of nervousness over this election even though it's a midterm because we have a farm bill that's coming out next month and a lot of folks are are wondering how much of an influence is that going to push onto who gets elected on the 8th that, that's an excellent point, and I think you combine that with the fact that this election also, um, key, you know, essentially is the final word in our policy, our foreign policy, um, with a much more, and I, I would say it outright, a much more hostile China um, and a much, much more hostile Russia until we get to the next presidential election. And so I think in the, in the worldview mindset, it's going to be, in their eyes, well, we know what's going to happen for the next two years based upon what happens here. And quite honestly, there's a lot of uh, decision-making and I think geopolitical strategy-making that the Russians and the Chinese want to do in the next two years. So I think that's the, the biggest issue out there from a standpoint of what's going to drive commodity prices. In other words, do the Chinese want to maybe soften their stance with Taiwan because there is a shift or vice versa? Uh, in, in, in terms of the United States and how they deal with us. And therefore, then we start to see maybe more commodity trade or less commodity trade. I think these geopolitical factors are directly affecting us both from a currency standpoint. I mean, their, their Hong Kong stock market made a new 15-year low at the beginning of this week because of the way that party Congress went and the mindset that they were going to go towards more state-owned enterprises at the expense of private enterprises and they're they're definitely moving as you say towards more of an authoritarian mindset at this point what are the things that we need to be keeping an eye out um come november well the big thing for the livestock market is maybe all these things will move the livestock market to a degree but i think the biggest thing is the avian flu because we're coming up on the thanksgiving seasonal and the turkey uh, supplies on the poultry slaughter were down substantially versus last year and the mature chickens were down substantially versus last year and that's probably a trend that's only going to get worse and so while we have 15 18 percent more beef and pork and cold storage than a year ago those numbers could be worked down quite dramatically especially if there's nothing out there in terms of poultry as we get into thanksgiving so does that mean we have a better uh christmas ham seasonal does that mean we have a better thanksgiving ham seasonal and does that matter mean we have a better beef roast seasonal as we get into the christmas and new year so these are things i think are really germane to the first you know 15 20 days 
of uh, November for the livestock market because those birds are now migrating, and we'll probably hear a lot more about what's going on with the H5N1. And looking at this cattle market, what are your thoughts on how it's traded this week? It's been one of the best weeks we could have asked for because the cash and the futures came together, and that's one of the times where you really can kind of sit back and say, this is working the way it should in terms of the risk management. Now, I don't think I'm going to get too comfortable thinking that that's going to happen very often, but we had the October feeders go off, and now we've got the October fats going off here uh, as of Monday, and, and now the volatility starts all over again. We'll definitely make for an interesting kickoff to uh, November next week. That's exactly right, and I think this is where it goes back to. There's a lot of input issues that producers are dealing with and ranchers are dealing with right now, but you know, get the risk management side underneath you, and I would say work with a professional, whether it's just a subscription or a video or, or somebody that you work with on paper positions. The margins are getting bigger. A wheat margin is now almost 66 cents a bushel, so be aware of the risk out there in the commodities. Wonderful. Best way for folks to get a hold of you, Mike? Globalcomresearch.com is probably the best way. It's Globalcom with two M's, research.com. There's a little button there that you can sign up for a two-week free trial. You only answer three questions. One of them is your phone number, one of them is your email, and one of them is tell us about yourself. And if you do that, I'll send you a two-week free trial. You get everything except the text blasts. And then at the end of two weeks, I'll contact you once to see if you're interested. All right, that's today's Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all the local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.